Well, greetings to all our friends and brethren around the world. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, Sabbath day, but uh, also challenging for some of us and in our families. And as we've had uh, Mr. Strain's uh, weekly comments about uh, some of us uh, facing trials and tests and other challenges. But can you imagine what the world will be like in the millennium when all nations will be practicing true values and a culture that emphasizes their talents and abilities based on true values. A couple of years ago, we had a Charlotte uh, fun show, and uh, I was told ahead of time that the presenters were going to not only emphasize fun and, and their uh, special music talents, but they were going to strive to recapture the true values of entertainment. In fact, uh, we're going to be discussing God's values today and true values. In that particular occasion when they had the fun show, uh, Mr. Rod McNair asked the performers to write a short comment on the purpose of the fun show. Uh, Here is one comment from one of the performers of the fun show. Quote, God created our capacity to enjoy humor, music, dancing, and other activities that bring joy. He created laughter. He wants us to be happy, just like any decent physical father wants his children to be happy. The fun show is a type of recapturing true values. In regards to entertainment, when it is a wonderful uh, content, uh, a wonderful contrast to the perverted entertainment of the world. As Mr. McNair said, our fun show is a foretaste of the entertainment to come as part of God's kingdom. So that's a high standard to, uh, to meet. But as Mr. McNair said, our fun show is a foretaste of the entertainment to come as the part of God's kingdom. Of course, the Feast of Tabernacles is a foretaste of the coming kingdom of God as well. So God gives us the gift of musical talents to people all over the world. In June of 1988, uh, my wife and I were uh, hosting, along with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kubik, uh, the YOU trip in uh, of Russia. We had an eight-day trip of Moscow, Kiev, and St. Petersburg. We were in the Moscow Hotel at 4,000 rooms, but had a whole huge auditorium. And it was a wonderful performance. The National Radio Orchestra of Moscow uh Perform. They had zithers, uh, percussion. Uh, they had about uh, 40 mandolins, about 40 balalaikas, and uh, soloists. And the soloists were very uh, passionate. They were very emotional because of the World War II suffering of the Russians had still lingered, uh, even in 1988. But we were just impressed with with the music in Kiev. Uh, we were able to see the cultural dancing of, of the people of Kiev. And then later on in St. Petersburg, uh, Russia, I was able to see the Cossack dancers and their athleticism. And you can see uh, Cossack dancing on YouTube. But you realize that various nations have these various talents that God has given them that other nations do not have. But it was very impressive to see that. And, of course, some of you have been to various countries where you've seen their culture and their talents. 
1973. My wife and I were with uh, the ambassador senior students in a visit to Mexico City to visit our office there. We had an office in Mexico City in 1973, and we saw the Ballet Folklorico. And again, you see this wonderful talent from all these various nations. We have, the, of course, the Ambassador International Cultural Foundation, which Mr. Armstrong emphasized the beauty and talents that people have uh, musically in the auditorium and, of course, in other parts of the world. So the motto of Ambassador College was recapture true values. So what values do you live by? And to realize that, yes, we, as our whole life, need to recapture true values. It should be the title of the sermon, but Davy Crockett already gave it the uh, title of that sermon, Recapture uh, True Values. You can see that on members.lcg.org, um, Mr. Davy Crockett's sermon on Recapture True Values. So I need to change the title. The title for the sermon today is Recapturing True Values rather than Recapture True Values. So we are striving to recapture true values, but we are in the process of recapturing true values. If you were to ask someone, your family, your wife, your husband, your children, what are some of your true values? I asked that to my wife the other day, and uh, she said that one of her true values was that if you are faithful over little, you'll be faithful over much. Those are some of the values and some of our children know our true values. We know, actually, you know probably hundreds or thousands of true values, but you don't necessarily label them as true values. But ask some of your children, uh, what are the true values you live by? Our Charlotte um, Children's Bible class knows quite a few scriptures. And uh, if you would ask one of them, I would say that, they will say, one of my true values is uh, Philippians 2.14. They, I think most of the children know that, that scripture. Yeah, Mrs. Lyon says yes. And that is, do all things without complaining and arguing. So they know that scripture. That's one of their true values, perhaps, that your children know that you don't even know that they know. So you can ask your children, what are their true values and and what are your true values? Because you realize that when you recapture true values, you're talking about the whole realm of, of godly life, the whole way of a Christian life, that life, Christianity is a way of life. And uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14 and verse 6. So how, on today's sermon, we'll cover five different major topics. Number one, the world's faults. Values. And number two, how God values us. Number three, how do you value others? Number four, strive to recapture true values. And number five, vanity versus godly values. So let's first take a look at the world's false values. The current Tomorrow's World magazine actually just arrived, the August Tomorrow's World magazine. Uh, just arrived to here at uh, my home on uh, August 2nd. So we appreciate the editorial and publishing facets that we have the August magazine arriving on August 2nd. But here we see the world's false values. 
the major cover article is the global drug crisis, Mr. Wallace Smith program on dying to get high. And then we have Mr. Weston's editorial, Generational Arrogance. And finally, you see these, these are false values that are leading to pain, suffering, and death. And uh, as Mr. Smith brings out, uh, there are hundreds, I don't know if I have the value here, the particular point, hundreds of thousands are dying from uh, overdose. And uh, here in the United States, the opioid uh, epidemic in uh, 2021 from the United States, 107,000 deaths were due to drug overdose. So the world is following the master of distractions. That was a sermon by Mr. Weston, that Satan is the master of distractions. And you realize 1 John 2.15, if you'll, you'll turn there, that you and I perhaps have followed to some degree the false values of the world in the past, First um, John 2, verse 15. Uh, Mr. Weston gave the sermon one time on the parallel between Adam and Eve and what they chose, and they fell right into the same trap that follows First John 2 and verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Of course, it's talking about the ways of the world, not the people. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So we have to make sure that we are not deceived as Adam and Eve were deceived by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the, and the pride of life. But our whole culture, our whole nation, is going right down the line of 1 John 2 and verse 15. There's a book written some years ago on uh, how our nation would be destroyed. And we've had a lot of sermons on that. But it was a book called When Nations Die. Uh, it was 20, uh, what, well, 1994, so quite a few years ago, 28 years ago. When Nation Dies, uh, written by um, Jim, Nason, uh, Jim Nelson Black, concerning America, he states, and give this quote about his analysis of the, let's say, the spiritual state of America in 1994. Quote, the slow decline of culture, slow deterioration of morals, slow degradation of national polity, and steady and almost imperceptible increase in the size and authority of government would lead to the loss of individual freedoms and the ruin of the state. Thus, the despots would gain totalitarian control over our lives. So he talks about the decline of culture, and that's what we've been facing regularly and how our nation is going to be destroyed. And we've heard in some of the sermons recently, you might turn to Isaiah, the first chapter. Again, kind of an analysis of the state and condition, spiritual condition of our country. Isaiah 1 and verse 4. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. 
They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. So, yes, we are in a situation where we have the deterioration of morals, and we realize that God has warned us not to go along with their morals or with their values. In Proverbs, the first chapter, and of course we heard in the uh, announcements, the World Ahead uh, commentary by Dr. Douglas Vanell, the value of wisdom. Now, val- wisdom is more valuable than gold. And in Proverbs, the first chapter, he says in verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Verse 10 of Proverbs 1, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Verse 16, Proverbs One, for their feet run to evil. So we are tempted around all of society with the the media and publications and and, uh, television, but we need to follow the value of wisdom and the true values. But the world is following the false values, and it's a culture dedicated to death, as you might say. In fact, uh, Mr. Wally Smith's telecast, a culture... In Christ, oh, it's a world on fire. In fact, uh, our campers at uh, Texas Teen Camp saw that video uh, by Mr. Wallace Smith, Tomorrow's World Telecast, A World on Fire. It offered the DVD, A Culture in Crisis. Again, if you've not seen that uh, telecast, hope you can see it, and also the DVD, A Culture in Crisis. But we realize when we become spirit beings and kings and priests, we'll be teaching people how to love one another. And we realize that we have a compassionate intercessor himself. Christ is our high priest. He intercedes for sinners. And we were sinners at one time as well. So in the millennium, we will be valuing human beings very highly because we will be serving human beings And we're learning servant leadership right now, which is one of the mission statements Dr. Meredith gave the church. And so when we look forward to the millennium, we realize, yes, we will be serving human beings whom we will value very highly. So we just briefly talked about the false values of the world. But now, what is very valuable with you? How does God value us? The world's values only bring pain, suffering, and death. But how valuable are you? You know, based on your chemical composition, Data uh, data Genics uh, did a very meticulous uh, analysis of all the chemical components in the human body. And this is what they said. What is your body worth? According to a recent article in Wired magazine, a body could be worth up to $45 million calculated by selling your bone marrow, DNA, lungs, kidneys, heart, 
as components. So we don't want to sell body parts, but that's one way of evaluating it. On the other hand, what about the value of a body based around just the chemical elements that make up a corpse? So Datagenics states this, the biggest contributors to the value of the, of the body appear to be alkali metals, lithium, sodium, potassium, rubidium, and cesium. Summing, summing up all the amounts to the value column, we come up with a grand total of just over $160. So based on your count chemical elements, you're worth about $160. And the article goes on to say, you'd better keep eating those bananas. Why? Because that's potassium, and potassium happens to be one of the more foremost uh, chemical elements in your body. But how does God value us? We're more than worth $45 million or $160 based on our chemical elements. So how valuable are you? Turn to 1 Peter 1 and verse 7. 1 Peter 1 and verse 7. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your life, stay here, in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We all need to be conscious of that awesome sacrifice and, and meaning to all of us personally. And that sacrifice, again, demonstrates God's eternal love for us and each and every one of us. So Christ paid for you with the Lamb's blood. But there's another question that Mr. Armstrong addressed, and that is the question, what did God create in human beings that makes us valuable? How are you different from animals? How are you more valuable than animals? You have a great value through your God-given mind. How valuable is a human life? How valuable is it compared to animal life? Uh, Mr. Armstrong wrote in his Mystery of the Ages, page 105, he asked the question, what is the real value of a human life? He describes the difference between animal brain and human mind. And you need to turn to... Through 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11, I think some of the old timers are very familiar with the spirit in man, but 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? How can you understand the mind power that you have? And it's because the spirit of man combines with the physical human brain of a human being. And so that what's, that's what gives us that value. The human mind is a physical brain plus the human spirit. Mr. Armstrong wrote in Mystery of the Ages, page 107, the human spirit in mortal man makes possible a direct contact from the great spirit God. There is no direct channel of communication between the dumb animal brain 
in the mind of the Supreme God. Meditate on this, Mr. Armstrong writes. We humans sometimes speak of how wonderfully God made man with his brain and the marvelous physical components of the body all functioning together. But without this spirit imparting the power of intellect, without parting the brain, uh, intellect to the brain, is also opening a channel of direct communication with the mind of the great God. Man would by no means then be more than dumb brutes. But with the spirit in man, man's creation becomes all the more awesome to contemplate. It's this human spirit in man that makes it possible for man to be united with God so that man may be begotten by God, by God's spirit, uniting with the human spirit, thus impregnating the human person of as a child of the supreme creator God. He summarizes, the real value of a human life then lies solely within the human spirit combined with the human brain. It should be stated at once that this human spirit is not perceived by the most highly educated psychologist, yet it is the very essence of the human mind. I know when I was taking my uh, graduate classes in communication, the same question came up. What is the human mind and the consciousness? And they don't really understand what the human mind is because it does have that spirit component of the human spirit. And I hope that you've been reading the uh, current Living Church News, the July-August uh, 2022 current Living Church News. Mr. Weston even writes a whole article on the subject. His article is, What is the Spirit in Man? I'll just quote from uh, Mr. Weston's article. I hope you've read that article. Quote, How much this answer was understood in antiquity, we do not know. But at least in modern times, it was not understood by God's church, and God began to open Mr. Armstrong's eyes to it. Yet once it is pointed out, the doctrine is obvious and easy to understand, and it is clearly biblical. Further, it lets us understand questions that carnal, that cannot otherwise be answered. And he goes on to say, the special family relationship begins with the joining of the spirit in man, with the Holy Spirit of God. Notice, then he quotes Romans 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, the Spirit in man, that we are children of God, and have children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, Mr. Armstrong and Mr. Weston are pointing out the very value, the very value of the human spirit when combined with God's Holy Spirit makes us begotten children of God. How valuable are you? You are very valuable. So God gave us this wonderful truth, this wonderful perspective that we can be born into his family as immortal, spiritual and glorified children in his family. So what a value are you? Consider who and what you are. You are made in the image of God. And of course, we do not have an immortal soul, but a human spirit. And uh, I'll just give you one example. I, I won't turn there, but Second Chronicles 36.22. 
is showing how God worked with the carnal human beings through the human spirit. Second Chronicles 36.22 Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord came by the mouth of Jeremiah that might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation through all his kingdom and also put it in writing. So again, how valuable are you? How valuable are your children? Remember that God has given us the human mind, and it's a very precious your most precious possession. We've had sermons on the human mind. Uh, one, love God with all your mind. Actually, that was uh, by Mr. Mario Hernandez, a very powerful sermon, love God with all your mind. And the battle for your mind, I believe that was by Dr. Douglas Vanail. So we need to protect our minds and make sure that the value upon which God gives us is protected and blessed. So God says, shows how valuable you are, and of course, in several places in uh, Matthew uh, 6, Matthew 10, and Luke, Luke 12. I'll just read that from Luke 12 and verse 5. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten by God? Five sparrows, and not one of them is forgotten by God, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows, as we've already seen how valuable we are. So, thank God. You know, you realize, what do we put value on? Uh, you are of great value. We, uh, just about five or six years ago, uh, one of our neighbors, just three houses down from us, about four o'clock in the morning, I was up and saw this fire some out the window and wonder where is that coming from and realize that a family of, of four uh, lost everything their home burned down and I went out the police and offered to the policeman that, that, that the family could stay with us but they had all, already plans they lost everything they lost all their cars burned up all their cell phones burned up uh, they lost all of their possessions just in one night and, of course, we've been warned about that. You think of Matthew 24, when Jesus said, "You, when you see the abomination of desolation, do not go back into your house to get your clothes. And so you realize, wait a minute, I better ask the question, how much value do I put on my possessions? What if I lost everything like this family of four lost everything? cars, cell phones, all of their possession. They had to start all over again, just in one night. And you realize then Jesus said, Someday, someday you may have to walk away from your, your home, as he did. And I said that in Matthew, the 24th chapter. So again, we what do we place value on? We're supposed to be faithful stewards of all that we have. And as my wife said, if we're faithful over little, God will make us faithful over much. And we know, realize that the value that God places on us, he sent his son. And, of course, John 3.16, that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
So you are very valuable when you look upon the world scene and what is valuable to God, what is valuable to you, what is valuable to your family. So thank God that he values you very, very highly and has paid not just gold and silver for you, but the precious blood of the Lamb to redeem you. The next question we ask is, how do you value others? Turn to Philippians 2 and verse 1. Philippians 2, I think you already know the answer to this, because we've emphasized it in quite a few of our uh, sermons. Philippians 2 and verse 1. How do you value others? Do you judge others? Of course, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. We have to be careful that we judge ourselves. It says in 1 Corinthians 11.31, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But how do you value other people? And um, Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Uh, We'll come back to that matter of selfishness later on. But in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each esteem or value others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but the interest of others. Or as the NIV says, do nothing of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In the Tomorrow's World magazine of September uh, 2022, it's coming up. We've just been reviewing that. Uh, We just received the August edition, but uh, already in the head. Mr. Weston writes an editorial, Hard, Ugly Truth. I'll just read uh, a section of it here. Every place I traveled, I saw faces and people that I will not easily forget, and I will not write, write off. It is not that this was a revelation to me, as I have traveled more than most Americans, having lived in Canada and England, having visited China, India, Israel, Mexico, France, and Germany, as well as many other places. Yet people dress differently and have different customs, but all are just as we, human beings made in the image of God, with the same godly potential. So again, as Mr. Weston writes, a hard, ugly truth, we need to respect people from all nations. And we realize that God is calling people when you read Revelation 5 and verse 9 of every tribe and language and people and nation uh, that he's calling them from every nation and language around the world. And our gospel is going out in uh, different languages. As I wrote in the co-worker letter, we, we are now uh, uh, producing some material in, in the Hindi language. And of course, even in, uh, have a, in Hong Kong with a Chinese website with uh, some booklets in Chinese. 
So God is helping us to preach the gospel to, to the whole world. But we realize, yes, God is calling people from, from every kind of nation. So how do you look at other people? Do you esteem them better than yourselves? And to realize, yes, we need to honor and respect, have the attitude of a servant, and be the light of the world. Then, of course, we need to understand about our neighbors, as Jesus gave the parable of the Samaritan, uh, the good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? Of course, the uh, lawyer who was questioning Jesus had to finally say, he who showed mercy on him. You know, who was the one that was the best neighbor? He who had mercy, showed mercy on him. That's from, uh, again, the parable in Luke, the 10th chapter. So the lesson applies to all of us. I've mentioned this many times before, but I think it's appropriate when we understand how do we view other people? How do we value other people? I know when we're driving along and stop along Sardis Road or some, and there are some beggars out there, and you wonder, how do you view that beggar? That beggar has the same potential as every human being on earth, of being a part of God's family, a part of being your brother or sister in Christ sometime in the future. Dr. Meredith's co-worker letter of October 10th, 2005. Talk about natural disasters, even as I write radio and television reports tell us that tens of thousands of human beings have perished in the powerful earthquake which just struck Pakistan and parts of India. Perhaps none of these people were truly acquainted with the God of the Bible, but every human being is precious in God's sight. Every human being is precious in God's sight. That's, that's a true value. So how do you view other people? I hope you love your neighbors as yourself. You're praying that you can love your neighbor as yourself. We need to strive next when we realize that God pre- views every person as precious in his sight. We need to then next think about how to recapture true values. As I already mentioned, what is true values? You realize that this whole Bible, this is true value, thousands of true values in here. But what is meaningful to you? What is, what are some of the values that you actually think about and that you know are a part of your very character? You know, we had the sermon uh, last week as uh, we heard in the announcements by Mr. Strain about testing that God gives us, Mr. Uh, Weston gave in the sermon last week, testing us. And uh, I had a test of true values uh, last week. Uh, Our air conditioning went out in our home. And uh, it was uh, a week ago, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, the temperature went up to uh, 90 90 degrees in our house. And that was then tried to get the... uh, uh, technician, air conditioner, technician said, but oh, but you have a bush near your air conditioner that you didn't remove, and you have to remove that before we can do anything to solve your problem. Well, thankfully, we had a, 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 a landscaper come by, and he was able to remove the bush that was closing and encroaching upon the air conditioning unit outside our house. So the technician finally came. Uh, that was uh, Wednesday evening, about 6 o'clock. And he 
uh, went out and tried to see. You see and my wife was uh, dealing with him. I was up in my office. And my wife said, the technician can't find out what is wrong. And here's house nine degrees. And I'm saying, oh, oh, I have to count this joy. Count it all joy. It was, how do I count it all joy? It's 90 degrees and he can't solve the problem. Well, I tried to count it joy. That's a true value. And um, I've <laughs> applied that, that more recently. So then I prayed fervently for about three minutes. I said, Father, you have revealed secrets to your prophets. You've revealed secrets to um, your servants. Reveal the secret to this technician. What is wrong with our air conditioning unit? And thankfully, he found, finally found out that ants had crawled into the electrical circuit box outside near the uh, air conditioner, and that was short-circuiting the air conditioning. He finally found out the problem that he didn't know about in advance. And he replaced the circuit box, and the air conditioning is now working. But it was a test to me of true values. What is my values? Uh, do I count it all joy? And I, I had to work at it and count it as joy when those trials occurred. What are your true values you think about uh, all the time? I think of many of the values that I've been taught over the years and at Ambassador College. Even the Ambassador uh, Catalog would say, Mr. Armstrong wrote, at Ambassador College, we teach students to think about what they're doing while they're doing it. So I tell myself, concentrate on what you're doing while you're doing it. And studies have shown that only 1 or 2% of people can genuinely multitask. Uh, you just really need to concentrate and think about what you're doing while you're doing it. That's just one of many, many different values. And then we think about... Uh, are young people playing uh, the combat frisbee or something? I forget. Ultimate frisbee, I guess, and had several injuries. You know what's another true value? Mr. Dr. Roderick Merth wrote a booklet years ago, Seven Laws of Radiant Health. One of those laws, number six, was avoid bodily injury. So, so do you avoid bodily injury? Sometimes you can't help it. It's not your fault if someone injures you. Uh, but there's so many true values that we need to recapture. And as we recapture them in all facets of life, we realize, yes, in Colossians, the three chap third chapter, turn to Colossians, the third chapter. What are the values of sports? What are the true values of dancing, music, and entertainment? The important key is found in Colossians 3 and verse 14. Colossians 3 and verse 14. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's a value. Here's a standard by which you judge your actions, your thoughts, and recapturing true values. 
Does everything, everything that you do, can you say that it is in the name of Jesus Christ? Do you brush your teeth? And obviously, why you do that? Well, because of uh, physical hygiene. And everything that you do, I'm, I'm watching a certain television program. There may be a little violence, and I'm saying, is this television program, this action I'm seeing, is this what I should be watching? What lesson am I learning that is adding to my godly character if I am watching something with violence in it? Okay, I'm watching the, I'm hoping that the police and the legal authorities will put down that, that evil, to put down that crime. And yes, we need to pray for those who are in authority. We need to pray for, pray for our, our police departments. We need to pray for our government, our governors and mayors, and, and of course the president and vice president of the United States as well. But are our actions honoring God? Are we glorifying God and understanding, that yes, uh, Jesus Christ would approve this thought, this action, uh, this particular emphasis that I'm placing? So we realize that God does give us those values from the beginning of Genesis to the book of Revelation. What about the value, true values of sports? I've mentioned this to you before, but when I was at Ambassador College and uh, teaching there for in Pasadena, I thought taught there for I think about twelve years and, and or ten years and eleven years in Big Sandy. Uh, but anyway, uh, Mr. Jim Petty was athletic director of uh, the Ambassador College in Pasadena. And he and I would uh, play chess uh, together, play bridge with some other people. But he wrote an article in January 1983, Plain Truth Magazine. What is the major purpose of sports? He writes, for sports to be beautiful, there must be a recognition by all concern of the major purpose of sports. That major purpose is to teach and instill true values and proper attitudes in those that participate. The greater guard values the attribute of enduring, so much so that he once caused the earth, came to the earth, appeared in the form of man, and engaged in a wrestling match with the Hebrew patriarch Jacob. As a result of Jacob's endurance and tenacity in this match, the Creator God blessed him and changed his name to Israel, meaning one who pervades with God. Genesis 32, uh, verses 22 through 32. Another true value to uh, teach is in sports is patience. Sports will always have its obstacles, failures, delays, trials, and pains. Participants must be taught to meet those difficulties with calmness, equanimity, and without complaint. So, yes, sports, how do you recapture true values of sports? How do you recapture uh, true values of music? We had uh, an article by Mr. Don White in the May-June 2014 Living Church News. Singing together on the Sabbath, which we're doing. What are the true values of music? He writes, Aside from the spiritual application, you might be surprised to learn that scientists have determined that group singing can lower stress, relieve anxiety, and improve our general well-being. Group singing releases endorphins, 
those elation-building hormones in our bodies that are associated with feelings of pleasure. Among its other benefits, group singing simply helps us feel better. So it's a true value in group singing. He uh, continues to write, But what if you feel that you are not a good singer? It turns out you do not even need to be a good singer to reap the rewards of singing. According to a one 2005 study, group singing, quote, can produce satisfying and therapeutic sensations even when the sound produced by the vocal instrument is of mediocre quality, end of quote. And that's from Singing Can Change Your Brain, Time Magazine, uh, time.com, August 16, 2013. And we also had a Tomorrow's World uh, article uh, titled uh, by uh, Music That Is Special by uh, Laurel Meyer. It's the uh, commentary from the uh, Tomorrow's World website, uh, January 9, 2013. Turn to Hebrews, the second chapter, and you realize when you're talking about music, what we're looking forward to in the millennium when we're a part of God's family, you realize that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is going to be singing, and we will be able to hear his voice. We talk about true values of music. Hebrews 2 and verse 10. Hebrews 2 and verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory which is what we are doing, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, quote, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And he's quoting, from Psalm 22, verse 22. <laughs> Look forward to hearing Christ sing. I uh, enjoy hearing some of our uh, Mario Hernandez uh, singing in the past. We were, uh, Dr. Meredith and I were in a uh, French restaurant in um, uh, Rancho uh, Bernardo. One time we had uh, hosting um, Mario Hernandez. And it was a night in which he, uh, they had a singer. And the singer was singing classical music, and and uh, he invited Mario to sing. So Mario uh, began singing one of these classical uh, music songs in the restaurant. That was just a, a very memorable, memorable moment time. Uh, we appreciate godly music, and of course, Mr. Jonathan McNair is overseeing a whole project of writing new hymns for a new hymnal. Uh, so we're trying to recapture true values even in godly singing and uh, congregational singing. So we realize that, yes, we have a challenge in recapturing true values, even the true values of humor. I, I just see it so, so, so insulting and so uh, horrible and abominable. Some of the humor is supposed to pass as humor uh, in the media these days. And, of course, some of our young children in high school and and uh, middle school are subjected to false humor. And if they don't laugh, then they don't feel a part of the program. So you have to, oh, when someone's laughing, you have to test and say, is this something I should laugh at? You know, we have Ephesians 
the second, uh, third chapter. Turn to Ephesians 3 and verse 3. Ephesians 3, uh, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you <clears throat> as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance for the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ and God. So coarse jesting as God condemns. And then Proverbs 26, verse 18. I'll just read that to you, Proverbs 26, verse 18. As a madman who causes firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceives his neighbor and says, Am I not in sport? That's a King James Version. And the New New King James Version is this man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. I I know that we've had people that play, uh, they call them... uh, um, certain kind of jokes on other people and it's not very they are not edifying uh, they are actually sinful uh, there's a book written by uh, Tal D. Bonham B-O-N-H-M uh, Human Humor God's Gift in chapter 2 he says yes God has a sense of humor he gives the example of Balaam's donkey and, uh, and Balaam and of course we realize that even in well, Peter's uh, habits and some of his uh, uh, behaviors were, were somewhat uh, uh, humorous. And then, of course, there is the uh, list of many other humorous uh, incidences in the, in the Bible. So, but we need clean humor. We need to recapture the true values of humor. So Jesus made it very clear that we are to live by every Word of God, Matthew 4, 4, and verse 4, 4. So we, brethren, are pioneering tomorrow's world. We need to recapture the true values of arts, sports, literature, music, entertainment, business, science, industry, and even the values of family. And the uh, telecast, Mr. Rod uh, McNair made this uh, plus uh, Thursday, uh, was on Men need to be men, and the true values of masculinity. And he offered the booklet on a happy marriage. So we need to again, of course, and many of us are doing where we're. Many of us are recapturing or practicing uh, hundreds and thousands of true values in our life. But yet we can still recapture even more true values in our life. We live by every word of God, as it says in Luke four four, and Matthew four four. So we need to recapture. The true values of sports, of humor, but even family life. And we'll be teaching them to people in tomorrow's world. <clears throat> the next section I want to cover is a matter of vanity uh, versus godly values. Vanity versus godly values. Turn to Galatians, uh, the fifth chapter, Galatians 5. Here we have the listing of false values and true values. Galatians 5, verse 19. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's the fruits of the spirit of the flesh, and we need to make sure that we don't give in to any of those temptations. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not, not become conceited, provoking one another, envying another, uh, one another. So we realize that we are to test things, whether they are vanity or of value. And of course, we have uh, the whole book of Ecclesiastes, in which King Solomon said, everything is vanity. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Um, of course, Rod McNair gave one, is everything vanity? Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2. The kind of vanity that we see in a modern age is selfishness, and egotistical thinking, and the, and the matter of vanity. But when we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, we realize that the sense of vanity used in the book is anything that is not lasting. In other words, this physical lectern is not lasting from that point of its view, but God wants to use all of the physical things as faithful stewards and to his honor and to his glory. But what is not lasting, and when you understand, when you do start doing things that are foolish, that are, we make mistakes, we have to learn from those mistakes, that is not lasting. What is lasting is what adds to your character and becomes a part of your permanent, holy, spiritual character. And you know yourself, if you examine yourself, you know that you have very, hopefully, many spiritual values and characteristics that are part of your character. Uh, for, I mean, in one, one thinking about smoking, you know, is smoking a temptation to me? No, uh, it's it's a part of my character. I don't I don't care to smoke. I'm because when I was 12 years old, I smoked a whole pack of cigarettes and got very sick, and I never wanted to smoke another cigarette since. So s- smoking is not a part of my value system. It's a part of my character. I reject that. And so we all have other characteristics that we we have routines and. Helping our family, serving our family, uh, the housewife making meals for her family and taking care of the baby and changing diapers and, and all those values that are, are part of your godly character. Uh, you'll know that that's part of what is going to go into God's kingdom of, of a attitude of service that as Matthew the 20th chapter says, he that is greatest among you uh, shall be your servant. And, of course, that's one of the, as I mentioned before, one of our mission statements uh, to have that servant leadership that God wants us to have. 
And so Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, after the whole matter of Solomon's experiment of what is of value, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. The uh, NIV says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And the NASB, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. So we test ourselves and ask this question, is this act, this thought, this activity going to add to my character, or is it vanity? That is, something that is not lasting, that's not going to add any value. So we need to continually identify carnal values and reject them. And we need to continually identify godly values and to live by them. So what is the greatest value of all? The most lasting and living values are the two great commandments. So turn to Mark, the 12th chapter, Mark 12. And here we had a whole sermon on that to, uh, back in April by Mr. Mara Hernandez, How to Love God with All Your Heart. He spent a whole sermon on this particular section of Mark 12, verse 29. Jesus answered it, the lawyer, The first of the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like, it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is, there is no other commandment greater than these. We had a sermon also, develop godly relationships. And you realize, what is the whole purpose of God is developing relationships the first and second commandments revolve around relationships with God and Christ and relationships with one another. That's what we'll be doing for all eternity, loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving one another, and being a part of the royal family of God. So when we love God and love our neighbors, we'll also love the fulfilling God's will, and we'll be doing the work. We realize that when we're doing God's work, it's the highest value we practice is to have our hearts in God's work, preparing ourselves, the church, and the world for the next coming, the second coming of Christ. So in today's sermon, we've discussed five major elements in recapturing true values and living values. Number one, we discussed briefly the world's false values. Number two, how God values us. You're more valuable than gold and silver. Number three, how we should value others. And as Dr. Meredith said, every human being is precious in God's sight. Number four, how to recapture true values. You need to be teaching our children, of course, true values. Number five, how to choose between true values and vanity. And in the millennium, Nations around the world will be producing a variety of talents and, and godly culture based on true values. 
If we look towards the kingdom, we'll teach all nations the true values of life. They're going to come up to Jerusalem and learn God's way of life. We need to have our hearts in God's kingdom, preparing ourselves in the world for the kingdom. We can enjoy abundant living because God has given us the how to have abundant living by serving, helping, and sharing. You realize how much God loves you and what he has paid for you and value of you in Galatians 2. In verse 20, the last part of that famous verse, Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul said, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how valuable you are and your children. So our Father in heaven and Savior both value you very highly. God wants you to be a part of his royal family forever. We need to follow the example of Christ in loving our neighbors, esteeming others, valuing others better than ourselves, making sure that we're not judging and misjudging and condemning, but serving and praying for our enemies. And we realize the highest value of of any mission on earth is to do the work of God that he's given us. So let's capture, recapture true values through Jesus Christ living his life in us. And then we can teach the world the way to the priceless values of life and peace forevermore. Thank God that he's taught us and that we can be living by every word of God. We can be living by the true values of life forevermore.